Welcome to the Alito Bearcats Coaches Show Podcast from Real Country 92.1 Hank FM. Brought to you by H5 Sports Barn in Alito. Recorded live every Monday night at 7 from the new Jake's Burgers in Alito. And now with Alito Bearcats head coach Robbie Jones, the voice of the Bearcats, Kevin Longquist. It is a power pistol formation. It is a keeper. It is going to be Devon Keys up the middle. He goes, gets into the end zone. Touchdown, Alito Bearcats was the Bearcats' first touchdown of the night in their 56-21 victory in the Class 5A Division I Region 1 Championship game or the state quarterfinals. And the Bearcats are back to uh, the uh, state semifinals once again. They are going to be taking on the 40 Jackrabbits this coming Friday, 7.30 kickoff over in Midlothian, a stadium Alito has known very well over the years for playoff games. Pre-game show on Hank FM will start at 7 o'clock and then again the kickoff at 7:30. We hope that you will join us, and uh, we want to thank you all, of course, for being a part of these weekly podcasts with Coach Robbie Jones and Selected Players. Of course, over we had the uh, cross country coaches here a few weeks ago, or the cross country team rather, then the volleyball coach, as well as our basketball coaches here. And of course, we hope to do this throughout the course of the academics uh, school year. I'm Kevin Lawquist. First of a three-segment podcast tonight, we're going to start off with Coach Jones. Then in our second segment, we're going to look at the TCU legacy connection. That'll be quarterback Haas Haney and wide receiver Blake Burdine. And then in our third segment, we're going to look at the defensive side with linebacker Devon Keyes and then defensive end Cooper Coed. All right, Coach, congratulations. 56-21 victory over Abilene Friday night over at Tarleton State in Stephenville. And your offense once again hitting on all cylinders to start. Scoring the first three times you touched the ball, four out of five to build the 28 to nothing lead. What was that level of execution like? No, it was great to see us come out and start the way we did. You know, we started fast. You know, we we took the ball for a reason. We felt like we had an opportunity to get an early lead on those guys, uh, which we did. And it just felt great watching the offense, you know, go the way they were. Now, there seemed to be that lull in the second quarter where you all had the couple of special teams uh, snafus on punts. One was the snap over uh, Cole Crawford's head, and then he had, then unfortunately he shanked the next one, and then they closed it to 28-14 at the half. Was there just like, maybe maybe they felt like they were too much, it was too much of a comfort zone, and they felt like they had it, and like, you got to keep going here, or what was kind of your sense of that? Yeah, and that's kind of been the theme all year. You know, we, we go out and jump on people like that, and then all of a sudden we kind of relax, you know, and, and we did relax a little bit, you know, and they also threw a, a different look at, at us on defense, uh, which caused us, you know, to not be in good plays at times, you know, and then, you know, the, the miscues on the punts, Plus, you know, in that span, when, after we got the 28-point lead, we got seven penalties, you know, and that was something that I had a conversation with uh, one of the officials about, you know, that, hey, all of a sudden it looks like you guys are trying to help these guys, you know, get back in the ball game. So, uh, you know, it, it was one of those deals where, you know, things didn't go well for us this, the second quarter, but then our kids go in at halftime and we make adjustments and we calm down and we go back out and we start executing again. And I think the important sequence for you was – they get the ball to start the second half, a la Lubbock Cooper two weeks ago. You guys get the stop. Obviously, you had the unfortunate on the punt return fumble, but then again, you all immediately get the stop on fourth down. One thing in that game is that you all had four fourth down stops, turnovers on downs that way. I mean, real credit to your front 
and just reading keys and taking care of business. Yeah, our defensive front did a great job all night. You know, that was coming into the season, you know, it was one of the question marks was our defensive line. But those guys have improved so much over the year, and they're playing at a, at a high level right now, and, and it's helping our defense quite a bit. Yeah, you were telling me at the beginning of the year, I think right before the season opener against Parish Episcopal, you felt like you had five defensive tackles that you could rely on as the season progressed. Has that rotation worked out the way you've wanted to? Has you, have you added more, or where do you think it stands right now? No, I think really what we've done is we focus in on about four of those guys. Right. Uh, you know, and, and four of them are, are doing a really good job. And then at the defensive end, it's really come down to, you know, we got three guys that we really rotate at the defensive end spot. You know, we got some other really good uh, defensive ends, but we re feel really good about the three that we're rotating. And rushing-wise for Abilene, minus one yard rushing Friday night. I don't think I've ever seen a stat like that in a playoff game, regardless of what round, but especially in the state quarterfinals. No, it, it shows uh, what a great job the, the defensive coaches did, led by Coach McCone and, and the, the game plan that they put in, and then the kids going out and executing the game plan. You know, they did a really good job, you know, of, of basically taking away what Abilene liked to do best. And we've seen in these last two weeks against Red Oak and Abilene where your defense has just been taking it to that next level. Uh, adulations to your coaching staff notwithstanding. What have you seen just from an effort standpoint, pay attention to detail standpoint with this group? You know, that's effort's never been a problem for us at Alito High School. You know, we're, our kids have always played with great effort, and that's one of the things that, you know, we always get complimented on by you know, other coaching staffs after they play us is just how hard our kids play. And so those, those are the expectations that we have. You know, that's the standard that's been set for all these years, and uh, the kids are living up to it right now. And that's the standard that got started basically in the offseason. It's like it's a January thing, and then it has to carry all the way through well, where we are now. Yeah, you know, and that, that's what we preach to our kids is work hard, you know, do your best, you know, at every moment. And then when you get on the football field, just do your job and do it better than anybody else can do it. And it's one thing, even if you might be facing somebody on the other side of the ball who might be a little bit more talented or skill-wise, but that it, more can be made up for, especially at the high school level, just with effort, determination, just that mental toughness, that yeah, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, and that was, you know, going into the game, that was what we said about, Abilene, they've beat some more talented teams. They've just outplayed them. And we talked to our kids the whole week that, hey, listen, these guys are going to come out and play hard. we got to play harder, and our kids did. You know, the weird thing about this game on Friday night was the fact that your offense finished with 522 yards total offense, and it didn't feel like it was a 500-yard effort outing just because the way the game flowed. I don't know if you took a look back and said, we really had 500 yards? Because I said that to Kyle Hicks on the air. I said, this didn't feel like that. Yeah, I mean, I felt like we moved the ball pretty much at will, except for, you know, right there in the second quarter when we had to have those uh, two punts. But, yeah, I mean, I felt pretty good about how things went. All right, so the Bearcats taking on the Forney Jackrabbits in the Class 5A Division One state semifinals again, 7.30 kickoff over at Midlothian. We're going to have the pregame show at 7 o'clock, and the uh, Jackrabbits come into this game with a record of 13-1. and They beat their district rival, Lancaster, in double overtime over in Rockwell, 43-41. If you didn't know how that game sequenced, it was tied at 28 going into overtime. Each, time, each uh, team scored in its first overtime, kicked the extra point, and then it was decided in the second overtime period, Lancaster scored, didn't get the two, then Forney scored and then got the two, and that's how the Bearcats are going to be facing 
the uh, Jackrabbits. Uh, they're an offense that's tied to a couple of guys. Uh, JV and Osborne, their 2026 running back sophomore. He's a national recruit, 2,100 yards rushing, 37 rushing touchdowns. He's a bell cow. He's kind of like, to you, for them, what Ray Guillory has been for you. National established running back. Gets a, a, a game breaker, that sort of thing. What do you see on him? Yeah, I mean, probably the re best running back we've seen all year. You know, by far, uh, really good running back. Kind of when I started watching him, kind of reminded me of Ray. Uh, kind of looks a lot like Ray running the football. You know, he's going to be a hard guy to tackle. You know, we just got to do a really good job of, of staying in our gaps, you know, defeating blocks and getting off and making tackles. Is this going to be a case where maybe your safeties in Jake Gillespie and Boogie Owens the run support. This is where that's probably going to be quintessential, or should say, should say, it's going to be important for those guys to really hone in, especially at that second. Yeah, level. those guys got to make sure they're where they're supposed to be and and be really sure tacklers because we don't want that guy loose in our secondary. Uh, you know, and then the RPO games, they're really really good at the RPO games. So you know, they got to take care of that first and then rally to the running back. Jackrabbits average about 415 yards a game. Their quarterback is Kyle Crawford. He's thrown for Roughly 2,400 yards, 29 touchdowns against eight interceptions. What stands out when you watch him? You know, he does a really good job of, of throwing the, the slants. They, you know, they run a lot of slant RPOs, uh, and that's basically the, the, the best balls that I've seen him throw are on those slants, and uh, they get the ball to their uh, skilled receivers and, and make a lot of plays in the RPO game. And defensively, they've created 23 turnovers this year, maybe not as many as what we've seen you know, coming into these games in the previous two weeks. Uh, Abilene, I think, was 37. Red Oak was around 30, some, something like that. But during the course of the season, Forney's defense pitched three consecutive shutouts. And they also have another national recruit, defensive back Aaron Flowers. He is committed to Oregon. What stands out when you watch their defense that really uh, you have to pay attention you know, to? I don't think there's any holes in their defense. You know, they got big, uh, strong uh, defensive linemen. And then their linebackers are really good, especially uh, – uh, number two, the inside linebacker, you know, he, he's a real standout for him. He's supposedly a four-star. I can't think of his name right now. I just look at him by, by jersey numbers. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, you know, then the safety, uh, number one back there. You know, that guy makes a lot of plays in the secondary for him. Uh, and you go watch a lot of their playoff games, and he's got a lot of interceptions. So, you know, uh, they're just a solid defense all around you know probably one of the better defenses that we're going to go against all year now getting back to osborne the one game where somebody had success against them was when they lost a Longview, 13 to 7 25 carries about 76 yards something like that it, is that the kind of effort you know he he's going to get his yards here and there it's just as long as you were saying a few moments ago robbie of just not letting him break off consistently 20 25s right. maybe 30 something like that no, he's going to pick up some yards you know and, and you know longview we faced them last year we know what kind of defense longview plays they play really good football uh, at longview texas and you know we got to do a, a similar job against these guys when we get out there on defense now they've had a couple of close calls in the playoffs they beat frisco lone star 26 24 i think that was in their second round playoff game in their area playoff game and of course this past friday against lancaster I guess maybe in a standpoint of when you look at a mentally tough team winning two games like that by two points, what did you see characteristic-wise that stood out and why they were able to pick up those wins? Yeah, I mean, just a, a good, solid football team that's that's making plays and and doing what they need to do to win the football game. You know, Region 2 is historically a, a very tough region. So anybody that makes it out of Region 2, you know, is going to be a really good football team. Yeah, you saw that last year against Longview where you all trailed, but then you all got two touchdowns 
uh, in the second half to prevail. And, of course, then we had that weird uh, rain, for, rain that stopped us with about a minute to go in the game. I don't think we're expecting any kind of rain issues like that this year. No, hopefully this not. <laughs> you know, I, I've been looking at the forecast, and I haven't seen rain. I think I saw it was going to be in the 70s uh, on Friday, so we should have some pretty good weather. Now, in playing in this stadium at, at Midlothian, I don't know if that means anything to you all because you're familiar with the surroundings. Of course, you had the epic game uh, there last year against Midlothian. Uh, you've also played Ennis there a couple of times as well. You had that uh, one game against Stephenville about 10 years ago, that sort of thing. So I just does it mean anything when you get to these playoffs when you go back to a familiar neutral site? You know, it, it doesn't have a whole lot of meaning to me. You know, I, I just wanted to have a, a nice stadium for our kids to play in, you know, at a neutral site. We didn't want to go all the way across the Metroplex and go play at SMU, which is a lot closer for them. Right. Uh, you know, so, and, and Midlothian was actually his idea. Uh, I talked to him about uh, possibly playing at Pennington Field uh, in Hershey, Bedford, and uh, he was good with that, but then he, you know, said Midlothian is more, you know, of a uh, neutral side as far as distance for both of us. So I agreed, yeah, uh, we'll go to Midlothian. And uh, I didn't inform him that we're 7-0 at Midlothian. <laughs> Their head coach over at 40 is a gentleman by the name of Jeff Fleener has done a really good job there. And, of course, when you go against programs like this that are making these kind of epic runs because 40's been pretty good over the years, but a run like this has been kind of unprecedented for them. Do you feel like your team, because you've been there, done that so many times, has an advantage, or do you not even acknowledge that? You know, I think it is an advantage, the fact that our kids have been, you know, at this level, so they know the expectations, they know, you know, the grind that it takes, and it is, man. You know, we're, we're in the week 15 and that's a long football season. It starts wearing on the body, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes it wears on you mentally where kids, you know, get to the point where, hey, man, I'm kind of tired of practicing, you know, but our kids realize that, hey, listen, you know, we've done this before. We know what we need to be doing, and uh, let's go get the job done. All right, so the winner of this game moves on to the state championship game. That's going to be Friday, December 15th, a 7 o'clock kickoff at AT&T Stadium. They're going to get the winner of Region 3's winner, that's Smithson Valley near San Antonio, against uh, their playing Brownsville Veterans Memorial. That's a 7 o'clock start down uh, in that part of the state. I don't even know if you have to even talk or, or look ahead to those two teams or not, or has or your focus been all about Forney getting ready this week? Now, I don't even know what kind of offense or defense either one of those uh, schools run. So, you know, all of our focus right now is on Forney. You know, and you can't, you got to win this game to get to the next one. And then, you know, if, if we're fortunate enough to win this one, then we'll go focus on whoever wins that game. What do you like about what your team has been doing to this point of this playoff run? I mean, it's great to have this. I mean, Alito's expectations are what they are. Mm-hmm. But it's never. A, but when you get to the fifth week of the playoffs, that's a tremendous accomplishment in itself. What do you like about this team so far? You know, you know, take away the second quarter, you know, and, and we played a pretty good football game last week. Uh, you know, and I, and I like to see that. There's been times uh, during the year where we haven't played uh, our best. You know, well, there's been weeks where we played really good offensively, didn't play so good defensively, and then vice versa. You know, so you know, I like the fact that you know we were playing really good offense, we were playing really good defense. You know, we just had that one little lull there in the second quarter and if we can you know get rid of that you know then we're playing up to the expectations that we have for ourselves you mentioned this in the third quarter against Abilene how that was the quintessential version of complimentary football defense gets the stops 
on Abilene's side of the field, offense immediately takes advantage of it. I mean, if you could ask for a better script, that's what you want. No, exactly. Well, it's exactly what we wanted. That's what we talked about at halftime. So, hey, look, defense is going to go out there. They're going to get a three and out. Uh, then the offense is going to get the ball back, and we're going to get that momentum that we had in the first quarter going. And, and that's kind of what we did. You know, we did have the, the fumble on the punt, you know, but then the defense was able to stop them again. And, you know, then the offense, you know, took control of the game after that. And your uh, defensive end, who's going to be joining us here in a little while with a pretty athletic play on the interception there, Cooper Cohen. Yeah, that was that was exciting to see. You know, I was, I was very happy for Cooper to make that play. You know, of course, his, his buddy uh, Kai Hallington got the tip on that, and then uh, – Cooper dives and catches that ball. I wish he had been able to stay on his feet and go score a touchdown. <laughs> you know, it's fun, too, when defensive linemen come up with interceptions. It's like because they're the ones that are least expected to do something like that. But right. when they do come up with it, there's there's more of a celebration than I think if a safety or a linebacker or a corner comes up with it. Yeah, I mean, they're not used to getting their hands on the ball. You know, <laughs> uh, they don't always throw the balls to those guys in practice. You know, the DBs and linebackers, they get to make interceptions during practice. But the, the D linemen, you know, that's uh, that's pretty special for them to be able to get one. And Cooper has really picked it up here the last couple of weeks. His, he leads your team in pressures, and he's also mixed in a couple of sacks. The, the interception, of course, is what it is. Yeah. But he's just kind of taken that to another level here in the postseason. Yeah, and that's, that's him being a, a senior, you know, taking the, the lead, you know, for the defensive line, you know, because we don't have a whole lot of seniors that are playing on the defensive line. So we, we got to have some senior leadership on the defensive line, and Cooper's kind of taking that role. Okay, finally, what do you want to get out of your team in preparation this week uh, as you get ready? for Forney. What's going to be the key? Obviously, you got through work on Monday, but what do you want to see Tuesday through Thursday before you bust over on Friday? You know, number one, we got to work on our health. We got to get, you know, a little more healthy going uh, into the week. You know, hopefully uh, tomorrow we're a little better than we were today. Uh, and then we got to focus in on, on making sure we know what uh, Forney does best. We got to you know, know when they like to jump in a different front on us uh, and, and be able to handle those things offensively and then defensively. Uh, we got to know basically what they're going to try to do uh, on offense, you know, based on formations and take advantage of that. All right, Coach, have a great week of work, and we'll look forward to seeing you on Friday. All right, thank you. All right, Head Coach Robbie Jones on the second segment. We're going to be joined by quarterback Haas Haney and wide receiver Blake Burdine, the TCU Legacy Connection. Stick around. The podcast comes right back. And it'll be a keeper over the left side. Haas Haney, great block from Devon Keys. Running room to the 10, the 5. Touchdown, Alito Bearcats. And that was one of the touchdowns the Bearcats scored in the third quarter as they were able to pull away and then put away Abilene by a score of 56 to 21. Welcome back to the Alito Coaches Show podcast. I'm Kevin Lonquist. Second segment, and uh, we're going to be joined here in just a couple of moments by our the uh, quarterback, Haas Haney, as well as wide receiver, Blake Burdine. The TCU Legacy Connection is with us. But first, this by H5 Sports Barn and iPhysio. H5 Sports Barn and iPhysio and performance can help unlock your athletic potential and elevate your game like the Alito Bearcats with expert sports physical therapy, tailored recovery plans, and top-notch sports performance training. H5 Sports Barn, proud supporters of the Alito Bearcats. Well, as we do always in the opening part of this second segment is that we give you the Alito Alumni Report. Uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide moving on to the national playoffs. Jace McClellan, 
The uh, running back had a foot injury that he suffered in the fourth quarter against Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Did not play in the SEC title game against Georgia, but they are hoping to get him back in the Rose Bowl in the national semifinals when the Crimson Tide takes on the Michigan Wolverines. As for tight end Jason Llewellyn out of Oklahoma, he announced last week that he is going into the NCAA transfer portal, so Llewellyn will be looking for a new location in 2024. And then if you were driving by Alito High School, especially over in the baseball field area, they had a great ceremony honoring their own Cody Bradford, who was a pitcher for the Texas Rangers, the World Series, uh, world champion Texas Rangers. So that was a great ceremony over there. So we're going to be joined now by the quarterback here, Haas Haney, and then wide receiver Blake Berdine. And guys, welcome. Nice to have you with us. Appreciate you. you. I think visit number three, and then you're making your debut. So welcome first time. And you got your uh, the the, you got the analyst over there at TCU Radio there, who's going to be monitoring every word. He'll be judging. Uh, First of all, congratulations. It's these are games, even though you guys have won in convincing fashion here the last really all throughout the playoffs. But there's always that moment of trepidation, and I want to go back to you, uh, Haas, especially in the second quarter when you guys had you jumped out 28 to nothing. They took advantage of a couple of special teams mistakes. You guys looked like you were in a little bit of a lull. They got it to 28-14. What was kind of the discussion with the team at halftime about getting that edge back? You know, I feel like in the second corner, we kind of we kind of got complacent from a sense of, you know, we thought we were just going to step out, step out there every drive, and they were just going to roll over at some point, which that obviously didn't happen. We had to keep our foot on the gas, you know, coming out of the second half, and you know, just go back to our execution and focus on what we had to do to, you know, get the ball in the end zone. And, yeah, that, that's a lull you can't afford to have uh, when you get into rounds four or five in the state championship and the state playoffs. So, you know, we're going to fix that this week and, you know, make sure that we don't have a lull like that in the second quarter or any part of the game. I was going to say, when you get up by four scores, it's I guess it's easy for something like that to kind of creep up to a sideline like that. You're like, well, we kind of got this, and then all of a sudden – the other team kind of becomes desperate because they're like, well, we got to try and fight back to get back into this. So you kind of see the energy flip a little bit, especially if they get a break here and there. No doubt. Abilene's a, you know, a, a, a tough team who plays hard and is well coached. And, you know, it's a playoff football game. Nobody's going to give up because there's seniors out there on the football field that, you know, could possibly play in their last game. So, you know, they're not gonna, just going to roll over for a team that, you know, should win the football game because, you know, they can never touch the football field again. So, you know, you just have to... You know, keep going along and doing your thing and focus on what you got to do to, you know, put the team away. All right, so Blake, for you, uh, you've gotten some playing time during the course of this playoff run, and as you've watched these games unfold, whether you're on the field or watching from the sideline, what's been your takeaway of just watching how this program goes through a playoff run like this? I mean, I think you can tell the experience has a lot to do with it. The coaching, like I said, all week against Abilene last week, these guys are going to play hard every week against every opponent. The coaches consistently emphasize ball security, and I think over the regular season we struggled with that a little bit, but we've kind of dialed it back in the playoffs and limited limited turnover, so it's been good. Yeah, when you see the ex- the offense execute like it is, and I'll ask you about this too in a second, Haas, but when you see this offense, I mean, they scored the first eight times they touched the ball two weeks ago against Red Oak, scored four the first times they touched the ball against Abilene. When you see that execution, like again, sidelines or on the field, what do you notice that's maybe different than what you were watching in the regular season? I mean, I think there's just there's more on the line. Uh, the preparation we take very seriously and just, I don't know, it's a playoff game. There's a lot on the line. You're fighting. There, tomorrow isn't guaranteed, and so you're just you're going to do everything in your power to execute. All right, so I'm going to ask you about this, Haas, because, again, 
Eight out of eight to start the game against Red Oak two weeks ago. Four out of five to start last week against Abilene. Three to three to start there. But what is what was the thing that for that to get it started and get off to the quick start like you guys did? I mean, because these are things like you don't you don't see this at all, at all because of how tough these teams are or what you expect to be t- tough opponents. You know, I think what you know sparked that that offensive fire going into Red Oak game is you know Denton Ryan. You know, that, that that was we didn't do, have a very good game against Denton Ryan, and then you know Brewer we were, we were supposed to handle up on Brewer, and we did it against Brewer, and then our first round playoff game against Colleen Shoemaker, you know it was it was t- it was it, it was a tough time trying to get our offense going. You know the first three drives of our game were turnovers, we had fumbles, so you know that kind of just you know put a little bit of a chip on our shoulder, and you know people were doubting us going in going in against Red Oak and Abilene, and. You know, I, I wanted to get our offensive guys rallied together to, you know, show people that, you know, we can still score the football and put points up on the board, in which we have. And, you know, that just goes back to our preparation and our coaches still believing, believing in us. And, um, you know, they did, it, they, did, they did a great job of getting, getting a good game plan together. And, you know, all we had to do was just trust in the play call and go out and execute. All right, so Blake, for you, again, just in terms of just making a couple catches here and there with this offense and just – being a part, so many, so many different choices. Caden Finley, yourself, Colton McCoy, who's who's getting back, and of course Trace Clarkson. What does it mean to have those, that number of receivers out there that he can dial up and try and find you? And just is it more about route discipline? Is it just about matchups? Or how do you see that? I mean, I think it's just like if they notice certain things from certain guys, and you have more weapons to go to, and it's just the depth really just it's a big weapon to use for our quarterback Haas and. Coach Williams also with the playbook. It's just it's a lot of weapons to use, so he can go a lot of different ways. With it. Um, what do you think you've learned just on the varsity level this year, Blake, as a whole, in terms of just understanding what it takes to play and be as consistent as you can uh, at this level, especially with a program like this? Uh, it's, a, it's a grind. Uh, it's a special thing we got going here, but it is a grind. There's been mornings where we've all dreaded practice, but we know what we're ultimately working, working towards, and the coaches are there to push us, and it's a grind, but no, we know nobody else is, does what we do, and so we're we're all we're all down for the grind. And I was going to say, and really, this is where the payoff is of this being a 365-day sport, if you will, because your work gets going in January with the off-season work, and then you guys have spring football in May. But is this where you see the payoff with all that work in the off-season? And spring ball and why you guys are still wearing the pads and the uniforms yes sir it's it's not just a grind in the fall we grind as soon as we get back from christmas break over the summer it's it's all year long and i think this is what we this is the ultimate goal and we know that in january and over the summer that's what we're working towards okay so you guys have obviously are on the uh, sprint uh, track team here the four by 100 each of you run a leg on this but and i want but i want to understand just about just kind of the, the fun part of this because when you all hooked up on the big touchdown pass against South Hills back in October I think I made a, a comment on the air about one t- TCU legacy to the other TCU legacy on this and you guys have been pretty tight over the years but what was that and he spoke about it a couple Haas spoke about this a few weeks ago but when you when you did that what did that mean to you just to have that kind of connection finally on a touchdown pass uh, it, it meant a lot uh, we had a lot of fun over the track that was a grind too but 
all season we'd be like, all right, we're going to get one, we're going to get one, we're going to get one. And then that Saginaw one and then the South Hills one, I mean, he's always the first one down there, shoulder bumping me. So it means a lot, and it's, it's really fun. By the way, I'm assuming that your speed comes from the linebacker who played at TCU, right? Uh, it does, yes, Yeah, sir. I figured it did. Okay, all right. So let's get into this week's game against Forney State semifinals. A lot on the line. You've got to get back there. And, of course, you guys went through this war last year against Longview. You trailed before you guys scored twice to take the lead, and then we had that bizarre two-hour rain delay um, over at Kincaid. In a game like this, preparing for a team like Forney, what stands out to you on defense, Haas? They're they're really fast. They got a really good Division One safety who you know flies around the field well, and you know you know takes good angles to fly to the to fly to the football. And they got corners that have coverage that playing coverage really well, and a really good linebacker that you know moved in from Sock last year, who is a really smart football player who can create turnovers. And um, you know we're just gonna have to play Bearcat football and. You know, just trusting our coaches to, you know, put together a good game plan and just go out there and have trust in each other because that's what we've done all season. That's what we've relied on. You know, we might not always have the most talent out on the field, but we're going to play play hard for each other and fall back on our preparation that we had in our off season. All right, so, Blake, let me ask you in terms of just what you've watched on uh, Forney on defense, what stands out to you in terms of just their secondary because, they, as you know, as, as Haas just mentioned, they, you know, they have a national recruit by the name of Aaron Flowers who's committed to Oregon. So, and then they've got others, very talented players. So what stands out to you about that secondary? Because you're going to be going against them when your number's called. They're fast. They're real fast. They're big. Uh, they play well. They're, they, uh, they drop back really well. So we're going to have to get off the brakes, uh, run and pass. And I just think we can't try to do anything extra. We just got to stick to the game plan. And if we play the way we're capable of playing, we'll be fine. All right. And then as far as just going through uh, when there's so much, because now you can see 18T Stadium next Friday, but you have to kind of keep it to this Friday the 8th. How do you make sure that you don't get too excited to look ahead? I'll start with you on that, Hosta. That, and you've been through this before, but it's always a new season. You know, when you get to this point in the season, when you've been playing for 15 weeks straight, or I mean, you got to count fall camp, so about 16 to 17 weeks, it's really easy to get complacent and, you know, bored with the process. And you, you, just, you can't allow that to happen. They were creeping into your team's culture, and you can't have guys that are dreading to go to practice. You know, although people are going to dread going to practice, this is a really blessed spot to be in. Not a lot of teams are, you know, playing 16 weeks of football possibly, and in which we we are on a consistent basis. And this is my second year doing it, so um, you just have to feel blessed to be in the moment and take advantage of every opportunity you have because you know it can be gone like that. You know, I might not be able to play a football game again. You never know. You just never know. So um, you just have to take it day by day and enjoy being around your brothers and, you know, appreciate the moment, which is what we're going to do. And then for you, Blake, again, first time for you to kind of go through this, uh, just it, there's the excitement there because you can see AT&T Stadium, but, you know, you've you got to focus on Midlothian. How do you see that? It's week 15. Everybody's tired, but ultimately we all love it. We love the grind. We're excited. And... We know we say we say it every year after we get back from Christmas break. This is this is the ultimate goal. Nothing's going to stop us from getting here. And so, even if that's just like having to stay within yourselves in big moments like this, we're we're going to stay within ourselves. Is it easy to sleep? I mean, when you guys get through, oh, when you guys are going through the deeper in the playoffs, and because of so much that's on the line, as it gets as every round becomes more and more important, is it still easy to sleep at night? I'll start with you on that, Blake. I've, I've had some rough nights, but. There's just a lot on my plate, just uh, football, school, all that stuff, just worrying about it. But 
I mean, ultimately, there's some nights where I just get some good sleep because I realize how blessed I am. I couldn't do any of this without uh, supporting my family and teammates and coaches. And I, so, not really. It's it's just kind of off and on, but something I'm, I'm gotcha. willing to play. And then Haas, for you, what's you know in the, in the position that you're in? What's the kind of tone that you want to set and help as you guys are going through this week of work, getting ready for Forney on Friday in Midlothian? You know you. You can't take these moments for granted. Like I said before, just enjoy the moment because, you know, this, this team will never be the same again. This, 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 however many players you have on this team, it won't be the same team again. we got two weeks left with these guys, so just take advantage of every moment you have and, you know, the little things, the locker room with the guys, especially for me. I'm a senior. This is, you know, this is my last, possibly last two weeks being an Alito Bearcat and being on this football team, so... I'm trying to enjoy, you know, being with my boy Blake, throwing rats to him in practice, you know, having fun in practice, having fun in the locker room, you know, and just staying focused and, you know, focusing on what we got to do to prepare ourselves to, you know, win this game to hopefully go on and win a state championship. And the uh, championships notwithstanding, you'll look back 10, 15 years now and just the relationships that you all developed. I would think that would mean, that'll bring, that'll mean a lot to you, I would suspect. Blake. Yes, sir. We, we spend... Pretty much all year together, we we bleed we bleed and sweat together. It's just it's it's a grind, and we all we're all pretty tied. We love each other, so it's a special bond. All right, this is the TCU legacy that's joined me for week two of the Coaches Show podcast. Quarterback in TCU commit Haas Haney, wide receiver Blake Berdine. Guys, thanks for being with us. We appreciate you. Thanks for having us. Third segment coming up. That's going to be linebacker Devon Keys and defensive end Cooper Cohen. Stick around. Third segment of the Coaches Show podcast coming up after this break. And we welcome you back to the third segment of the Alito Coaches Show podcast here at uh, Jake's on 1187 in Alito. I'm Kevin Lonquist. Uh, this reminder before we start our third segment that we are brought to you by H5 Sports Barn and iPhysio. H5 Sports Barn and iPhysio and performance can help unlock your athletic potential and elevate your game like the Alito Bearcats with expert sports physical therapy, tailored recovery plans, and top-notch sports performance training. H5 Sports Barn, proud supporters of the Alito Bearcats. All right, joining me here are a pair of seniors, defensive end Cooper Cohen, linebacker Devon Keyes. You guys are both veterans of this podcast, so you know how this goes. And so, uh, guys, welcome. Good to have you with us. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right, so let's start with last week where you guys uh, pretty much shut down Abilene offensively. I mean, I know they got the two touchdowns in the uh, second quarter because of the short field, but I don't think I've ever seen a stat in a playoff game. I was talking about this with Coach Jones a few moments ago where they held, they were held to minus one rushing total in a game. You ever seen, ever, I mean, you've shut some teams down before and maybe some teams of lesser uh, ability, but this round of the playoffs, you've been around something like that, Devon? No, sir, I have not. <laughs> and, and Cooper, for you, I mean, what was the key for this defensive line just setting the tone for this game against Abilene on Friday night? Just getting off the ball and hitting the tackle. Easy, easy. Yep. Just that simple. Easy. Okay, so in terms of them, and now they were running a two-quarterback system there uh, between Dylan Slack and, of course, Brayden Henry there. So what? So when he was in, was it pretty easy to kind of does it? I hate to say easy, but was it kind of like we knew what to expect, I guess? If he's coming in, he's probably going to be the run threat, and he might opt into a passing play, that sort of thing. So what was kind of the approach when he would enter in, into a game, Devon, and what you all would have to focus in on that? So going into the game, um, we saw number eight as a starter. Of course, he was a pocket passer. He throws a great ball. And then we'd see number one rotate in. He was more of their wildcat, dual threat, 
run out the pocket, run to the outside type of quarterback. And then for you, Cooper, uh, same kind of question, but is that a case where you have to kind of try and push the pocket regardless of where he's in, or how do you guys approach a guy who is a dual threat like Henny? We like definitely didn't um, want to let number one get the edge. So we had to hold contain. That was the main focus this week. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, just you guys answering every time that if there was a, an issue where you guys re- guys came up big, what was kind of just the mental approach to a game like this? Is it just, was it just experience knowing that you've been there before? Or how would you imagine? Because you guys got four stops. You turned them over on downs. Can you just talk about that, Devon, and what that was like going through those sequences of just shutting them down and getting the ball back for your offense? Experience definitely helped. Uh, playing tough opponents like Parrish and Guy first two weeks, it showed that the defense needs to buckle down, and it uh, doesn't matter what happens during the game. It just matters on the next stop. All right, so, Cooper, for you guys defensively, I, I think I've seen you all at a different level. I mean, Cooper, I love it, Cooper, really good offensive team. We know that. But the way you guys really, let, let's look at it like this. I mean, they, uh, Red Oak scored 21 points. I mean, it may say 35, but really 21 points against you with that wide receiver duo. Last week, Gabbling, they get really seven points, and that's against your second team. I mean, they could not drive the length of the field. What have you seen about this defensive unit over these last couple of weeks that's maybe changed, that's even gotten better than when the playoffs started against Shoemaker? I think just focusing on our job and doing what we know to do. Coach McCone always puts us in the great situations. We have to capitalize on it. So let's ask you a little bit about Cooper Cipher's return to this defensive front. What has that meant to just the rotation, the ability for guys to rush the passer, and then just th- that flexibility up front? It's helped a lot because we can rotate, keep fresh, especially on third down. We can get someone fresh in there to get after the quarterback. I'm going to get to your interception, so don't worry about that. So I'll get to that here in just a second. I mean, I'm not going to let – I mean, he, he kind of knows what that's like. But, okay, let me ask you a little bit, Devon, about as far as just uh, as we turn our attention to looking at Forney here. Great running back uh, in uh, JV and Osborne, national recruit, 2,100 yards. When you watch him on film, what stands out to you and what's the most – what kind of problems does he present? He's definitely, uh, definitely an elusive back. He knows how to read his blocks, get in between the tackles. And then once he gets to the second level, he's a tough tackle. He knows how to make moves in space, make guys miss, run through arm tackles. And we got to focus on sure tackles and stop him before he gets going. And then for you, Cooper, I mean, that's where the, the push from the front is going to probably make the difference in terms of him being able to get to the second level. What's, what do you guys look at when you see a kid like that? I think if we just collapse that O-line, we should be good. I mean, we got great linebackers like Devon. Yeah, that's all we got to do. Okay, so now, without further ado, let's talk about the interception. So it's the tip from Kai. I think maybe the only thing that everyone was getting on you about is that you didn't pick six it. But <laughs> anyway, and so you didn't keep your feet. But... When you get an interception like that, that's a cool moment. And just take it. Just I know you talked about it with Mercedes uh, in the post-game interview, but just kind of take us through it now that you've had a chance to kind of look at that again. Just take us through what, how that play unfolded from your perspective. Well, I just came outside and I saw Kai right next to the quarterback, and he tipped it up, and it went in the air. I was like, "Oh shoot! I gotta go get that!" And I just dove for it, and I got it, and I was hype. And so, first time you've had one, right? Yes. Okay. First pick. Um, when it, is it kind of a surreal moment, or is it kind of like I know, I, or is it or is it like more of enthusiasm, more excitement, or what is it like when when that actually happens? It was a surreal moment. It was fun, just getting hype with teammates, looking at the stands, everyone going crazy. Because defensive linemen don't get turnovers. They they I mean, fumble mm-hmm. recoveries maybe, but interceptions no, doesn't happen. And so if uh, so, Devon has to show spread the wealth. So does Chris Johnson. So does uh, Jaden Allen. But 
For you guys, though, again, I'm going to ask you about just shutting them down and then and talk about complimentary football because that's really what this game was about in the third quarter. You know, after you unfortunately have the fumble on the punt return, you guys get a stop there. And then you get another stop there, and, you, and the offense scores immediately off of those possessions in plus territory. Could it get any better than that, Devon? Honestly, it couldn't. We showed out. Uh, offense helped the defense. Defense helped the offense. And then for you, Cooper, just in terms of that, just that sequence in the third quarter where you guys were able to put that game away, it was kind of similar to the Cooper game. Abilene gets the ball to start the second half, and if they score, they make it interesting, much like what Cooper could have done, but then you guys get them off the field on that twice, basically, in the first couple of minutes. What did that mean to you guys just to kind of set that tone to start the second half? It was big, especially we had some big fourth down stops, and that helped the momentum and changed the swing of things. And so in terms of just going back to as we look ahead to Forney again, 7.30 kickoff in uh, Midlothian, the pregame show on Hank FM at 7 o'clock. <laughs> Their offense, they average about 415 yards a game. They have a, big, a pretty good passing game. Their quarterback, Kyle Crawford's thrown for 2,400 yards. They mix it around with the different receivers. What stands out to you when you watch their passing game, Devon? They're definitely explosive. They have two really great receivers, number 13 and number 10. They have great hands. They're in and out of their routes really quick. And when they catch the ball, they can turn up, get in open space, and make guys miss. So we got to focus on the passing game. Don't let them get um, those yards after catch. Get them down right after they catch it. And then for you, uh, Cooper, just when you were watching the film of their double overtime victory over Lancaster on Friday over in Rockwall, what stood out about their offense that said, like, We've got to watch this, and we've got to watch that. Really just that running back. I think up front we can handle them well. I think our D-line will take advantage of their O-line, and we can get after the quarterback too. It all comes back to the front play. I mean, what you guys do on the offensive line with what you can do there and then your defensive front. I mean, is it, what have you seen, and I asked Coach about this a few moments ago, but just, and we talked about Cooper coming back here, but when a defensive line comes together, what does that signal in terms of just a, a, a defense really coming into its own? What does that show you? I think the, the front four we have that start, we really set the tone. You know, we like to push the line. It's a great group of guys. We all like each other. And that makes a big difference. Um, and I'm going to ask you both the same question that I asked Haas and uh, Blake about. You know, 18T Stadium is right there a week from Friday if, you're, if things work out on the 15th. Is it easy to not look at that date and realize that December 8th in Midlothian comes first. It has been easy. Uh, starting off from week one, we've always been going one game at a time, and keeping that mindset throughout playoffs has really made it uh, easier to focus on your opponent this week instead of focusing on the end goal. Okay, and then for you, Cooper, how do you see that? Exactly the same. We're focused on Fournay, and that's all we care about right now. Is it, is it that? And, I, and then about the sleepless nights. How have you been sleeping in the playoffs during these as each round gets deeper? I mean, has it been okay or how has it been? I've still been sleeping good. I trust in my teammates and I trust that everyone's going to do their job. So nothing to stress about. Okay. And then for you? No, I sleep great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got it. All right. And then uh, just a final thing for you guys in terms of just the, the way that this defense has come together. If you could signal maybe one player on this defense that's come the furthest maybe surprise or whatever if you could point to one who do you think it would be to uh, uh i'd say decker sanders he started off um a little iffy he was still nervous it was sophomore year on varsity and he's really grown into his position and became a huge staple on the defense and then what about for you i would say the d tackles in general decker richter foreman they've all grown and you know but neither of them played last year but they really stepped up 
All right, guys. Well, we're looking forward to it. Friday night, 7.30 at Middle Oath, and the trip to the state championship on the line. Good luck to you all. Thank that's you. Cooper Cohan Thank to you. my left, and then that's Devon Keyes over to my far left here. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And we want to thank you all for joining us here at Jake's for the Alito Coaches Show podcast as we will be back next week following the Bearcats state semifinal game against the 40 Jackrabbits. Again, that's a 7.30 kickoff in Midlothian. You can hear the pregame show at 7 o'clock on 92.1 Hank FM with yours truly, Kyle Hicks and Mercedes Meyer taking you through all the twists and turns of the Bearcats and the Jackrabbits. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great week, everybody. I'm Kevin Lonquist. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Alito Bearcats Coaches Show podcast, brought to you by H5 Sports Barn in Alito, with Bearcats head coach Robbie Jones and the voice of the Bearcats, Kevin Longquist. Please like and subscribe to this podcast and tell a friend. You're also welcome to join us in person every Monday night at 7 from the new Jake's Burgers, 601 FM, 1187 in Alito. And then listen to every Alito Bearcats game, home and away, live on 92. Hank FM on the free 92.1 Hank FM app or online at 921hankfm.com. The Alito Coaches Show podcast is a production of real country. Hank FM.